All right, well, hey, welcome every person and family joining us for this experience right now. Welcome to X Church at home. And man, if you're joining us uh, over the weekend as part of the broadcast, feel free, hop on the chat. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to be a part of uh, this moment with you live and, and get to know you a little bit more. Man, I, t- I tell you what, if you've been part of the X Church family for a while and Lithopolis or Lancaster, can we just say that we miss you so much? I miss being able to, to see you guys. I miss being able to be a part live of what God's doing in your life. But I don't know about you, I am so thankful for the power of technology that right now we are not just in this room, but we're in dozens and hundreds of living rooms and cars and maybe even airplanes that we're all over the place right now gathering together as a family. And I'm so thankful uh, that God is not controlled or restricted um, by space, but the same presence of God that's in this room right now that was with us in worship can feel free to come into your living room, into your den, right where you are. And so, Thank you again for joining us, man. Welcome to the family. And this is the kind of place, I, I, I don't know if, if you usually tune in, or maybe someone shot you a text, or they invited you, they sent you the link, and uh, they just said, hey, come join me right now. But just so you know, this is, this is the kind of community that even in the middle of all this crisis going on, you just need to know that we're full of hope. We're full of belief. And is, even if we haven't met you, we believe in you. And so I don't know what you believe, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey, Um, but this is the kind of community where you can belong before you believe. And no matter what you've been through, no matter what your track record, no matter what's going on in your life right now, uh, you're welcome here. And we really just hope that if nothing else, by the time this is over, that there is more hope and encouragement in your heart than when this thing began. And so uh, I just want to ask you, because we're in the middle of unprecedented times, we're in the middle of crazy days, honestly, that we're living in. And, you know, I have a friend that sometimes will call me and will just say, Russ, uh, okay, your soul, one to ten, one being really, really low and ten being really, really high, where's your soul, one to ten? And so whether you're alone right now in the room where you're at or maybe you got somebody sitting beside you or you got a little small group that you're with right now just a few people, why don't you just answer out loud, how are you doing? How's your heart? How's your emotions? One to ten. How are you doing? And I don't know about you, but sometimes in the middle of this season, it can be hour to hour, week to week, and, uh, and so I don't know what your norm looks like right now. You know, as a, as a pastor, I get to talk to people in so many different places in life in this journey. And there's some people that, to be honest, this, this whole thing hasn't affected them a whole lot. Um, it's, it's affected them, but they, they, they work from home for the most part, and uh, it's inconveniencing. Then there's other people I talk to uh, that honestly are melting down right now with fear and anxiety and stress. My heart goes out to, to seniors right now who had all these things planned uh, for their senior year, and all of that is off the shelf right now. So I don't know where you fall on the spectrum of how you're handling all this. Uh, I, I know for me, um, I went to the grocery store the other day, and it was one of the weirdest moments that I've had because I am an extrovert, and I love to talk to people, but for the first time, when I saw people approaching me, I didn't know if I needed to dodge out of the way. I didn't know. Um, th- there's a few days ago, um, I was out in public just to get some groceries, and I sneezed, 
and I thought I was about to be attacked, and I've never seen people look at me that way before. So uh, one of the weird things for me, too, by the way, is that I feel like there's days where I'm losing track of time. Um, There's been a Tuesday where I thought it was a Thursday, and a Thursday where I thought it was a Tuesday, and on that note, you may not realize this, but a week from today is Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, which means today is Palm Sunday, and you may not even know what that means. You might be new to church, and you may not have no idea what Palm Sunday is, and I'll tell you more about it in just a moment, but I would love, before we kick off today, and before we share some thoughts and a message with you, I'd love to pray for you, and so if you feel comfortable just wherever you are uh, to bow your head for a second, I'd love to pray and pray over this time together, and so God, I thank you. The Lord, that however we're gathered together through technology, you are with us because we're two or more gathered, you're there. And so we are hundreds, even thousands gathered through this experience. And God, you are able through your spirit to go past walls and go past spaces and go deep into the places of our heart where we long and need for you to move. God, we pray for the nurses. We pray for those on the front lines right now. We pray for those around the world that are suffering loss. We pray for everyone that's already been affected by this. But God, we pray that as we gather together, the Lord, you give us a glimpse of just how big you are, and that God, you speak to us right where we are, a word that is timely and in season and straight from you. We know this, that one word from God can change everything. In Jesus' name, and amen. And amen. Um, Question for you. Have you ever had something in your mind go completely different than the way you imagined it? And some of you are probably thinking right now, uh, yes, that is exactly what's happening right now. Everything in my life right now is completely different than the way I imagined it. Um, But one uh, instance in particular sticks out to me. I'll never forget uh, when I turned 30 for my 30th birthday party. I know I look like I'm 22, 23. But when I turned 30, uh, I decided that I wanted to have this, <laughs> this birthday party. And it's bringing back bad memories even as I think about it. But I wanted to have a birthday party at Sky Zone. It's one of those, you know, those little places where that, uh, they, it's like they have the bounce houses and the dodgeball and all that. And it may sound weird, but I, one of my buddies, when he turned 30, uh, a ton of the guys, a bunch of people, all adults, about 30 of them, went, uh, and they had a birthday party at Sky Zone, and I went, and it was so much fun. We played all these games of dodgeball and w- flying in the air, all kind of hoops and dunks and, and, and all kind of stuff, and so I thought, well, I'm going to do that. So uh, I flew to Greenville, South Carolina, where I'm originally from, and, uh, and I planned this whole thing out. And, but I did a few things that ended up being a mistake. Number one is I decided, you know what, I'm going to plan this a little bit earlier in the day because I have some friends that are parents, and uh, I, I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want to make them uh, get home late, so I'm going to start this uh, Sky Zone birthday party around 5.30, and then we'll have dinner around 7, and they'll be able to get home in time to take care of their kids and all that. Well, those two mistakes combined... Uh, resulted in me being alone as a 30-year-old with my precious mom and dad uh, jumping up and down by myself for my 30th birthday party. 
And I wish that you could have been there. Actually, I'm glad that you couldn't be there because it's even bringing back scars as I think about it. But I wish you could have seen what that would have looked like for a 30-year-old man jumping up and down, looking a little bit frustrated and embarrassed with my precious mom saying, honey, you having fun? Yes, I'm having fun, mom. Please leave me alone. And, um, and, and, and I don't appreciate how much I feel like you're already laughing at your homes as you're watching this. But, um, and then my, my dad is just standing by with the video camera ready to capture the action, and nothing is happening. And that was my 30th birthday party. It was alone at Sky Zone, jumping up and down, waiting. And then finally, I found the oldest kids I could find, who I think were in fourth grade, and we played a game of dodgeball together. Now, why are you telling me that story? I don't know. No, the reason that I am telling you that story is I had in my mind one way that things were going to go, and they went the complete opposite way of every expectation I had. And it may be funny in the story that I just showed and I just told, but let's just be honest. There's some areas of your life that you've had that where you've had an expectation of how a season was going to go, a moment was going to go, and it went the opposite. And to be honest, that's exactly what happened with the disciples when they entered into what we call Holy Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter. Everything from the way the week began and the expectations they had to what happened by the end of that week was the complete opposite. And so if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to start. This is found in John chapter 12. This is Palm Sunday. This is Jesus, the last week of his earthly life, entering Jerusalem. And here's what we read. It says, the next day, this is on Palm Sunday, the next day the huge crowd that had arrived for the feast heard that Jesus was entering Jerusalem. They broke off palm branches. That's why it's called Palm Sunday, by the way, if you've ever wondered. And palm branches in that time represented victory. They represented praise. They broke off palm branches and went out to meet him. And they cheered, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in God's name. Yes, the king of Israel. In some Bibles, the tagline at the top of this literally calls this the triumphant entry of Jesus. You could picture right now a boxer coming into the ring, music playing, everyone going crazy. This is how the week kicked off. And sure enough, if you're in the shoes of his friends, the disciples, you're thinking, man, this is going to be an amazing week. I am part of the in crowd of Jesus, and they're all cheering for him, and they're all going crazy for him. And they had in their mind that Sunday how life was going to go, and it ended up going the complete opposite. In fact, uh, if you're not familiar with the story that leads up to this Friday, Good Friday, and you're not familiar even with Easter and what happens that week in between. We, most scholars believe when you look at Scripture, you can tell and we can piece together what happened each day. So we're going to go on a journey really quick through this week, this last week of Jesus' life. In fact, why don't you just turn to the person beside you, if you're in the room together, and give them an elbow bump and tell them, let's go. All right, I can see through the screen that you didn't do it, so go ahead and do it. Give them an elbow bump and tell them, let's go, let's take a journey. So that Sunday, we're going to go quick. That Sunday, Palm Sunday, Jesus arrives like we just talked about. The people are going crazy, and they're waving the palm branches. That evening, 
he arrived and he relaxed in the town of Bethany, and he most likely spent the night with his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know Lazarus is the friend of Jesus that had gotten sick, had died, and Jesus had raised him from the dead. In fact, one of the reasons people were cheering so strongly when Jesus entered Jerusalem is a lot of those people knew Lazarus and they had heard about this guy named Jesus who's even more powerful than death and that death obeys him. So when he came in, they were pumped that he was there. So that's Sunday. And then Monday, Jesus and his disciples decide they're going to take a walk, which by the way, can I just encourage you? I don't know how you're making sure you don't go crazy through this time, but can I just encourage you to take a walk each day? The weather, praise God, is starting to get nice. The sun at times is starting to come out. So I encourage you to take a walk. Get some breath of fresh air. But Jesus and his disciples take a walk. As they're walking, Jesus sees a fig tree that doesn't have any figs on it, and he decides to teach a little bit. He tells his disciples that the true measure of spirituality is not some empty form of religion and performance, but that true spirituality should actually have fruit on it, fruit that shows itself in love and peace and joy and in a whole life authenticity. Later that day, Jesus ends up going to church. He goes to the temple, and when he gets into the temple, he finds corrupt money changers that are actually using the poor and getting getting filthy rich off the poor, Jesus, meek and mild Jesus. I don't know what your picture of Jesus is. Jesus gets so ticked off, he chases the money changers out of the temple with a whip and says, it has been written that my house will be called a house of prayer. I just say that because in case you're tuning in and, and maybe you've been turned off from church for a long time because of the greed and hypocrisy that's in certain leaders, maybe it would encourage you to know that Jesus is turned off by that too. So that's Monday. And then Tuesday, Day, him and the disciples are walking back and they pass the fig tree that Jesus had cursed and sure enough this fig tree is now withered and the disciples are in shock and awe and amazement at the power of Jesus and Jesus is in shock that they didn't have more faith and he tells me he says look if you think that's impressive look if you just had the mustard seed uh, size faith you could move mountains and so maybe somebody needs to hear that today, that just a little bit of faith can change everything in your life today. And he encourages them to have faith in God because they can even speak to mountains and they move. It's later that night, that Tuesday night, that Judas betrays Jesus to the Sanhedrin and turns him in. It's that Wednesday, we don't know from Scripture exactly what happened, but most scholars believe that that Wednesday was a day that they just relaxed. That was a day where they recorded a few TikToks and they watched the season finale of This Is Us and they did some push-ups and sent some push-ups and they relaxed in preparation for the Passover meal. On Thursday, that's when things began to get real because it was that night that Jesus sent his two best friends, Peter and John, to prepare the room for the Passover meal that they were going to celebrate. It was that night that Jesus told his disciples, look, I know that you're filled with a lot of worry about what's to happen. He started leaning in about the fact that he's actually getting ready to die and he's going to be betrayed. And he says, but look, I'm going to go to the Father, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit to you, so you're not going to be alone, and the Holy Spirit's not going to just be with you. He's going to be inside of you, and he, just, and he actually gets on his hands and knees and begins to wash the feet of the disciple and says, this is an example of what real love and real leadership look like. And later that night, he goes and he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he pours his heart out before the Father and says, God, I'm so worried, and I'm in such anguish about all 
the things that I think are about to come. And he begs his friends to pray with him, but they fall asleep. And in fact, I don't know if you've been let down recently by anybody, but Jesus was let down by his friends in the most crucial hour of his life. And then later that night, Jesus was arrested. And then we get to Friday, Good Friday which is the day that we remember when we do communion where Jesus was arrested, put on trial, crucified, and buried for our sins. So why do I go through all that? I go through all that because those things are great to know. But I also mention that because when I start, when I realized that I'm going to be sharing on Palm Sunday, and I went and I read the Palm Sunday story, and I started looking at Holy Week I was struck in a profound way by just how much can change in five days. I mean, think about it. The disciples on Sunday are having a party and on Friday are having a funeral. The disciples on one day are having a celebration. Everybody heard that Jesus was coming. They're planning their life. They're planning church. But then by that Friday, the whole world has shut down and locked down. And I thought, how timely is it? And I don't know about you, but I mean, for me, I know a a few weeks ago, one day, I'm planning for church experiences. Me and my dad are planning our trip to Ireland because we take a father-son trip every year. And then the next thing I know, a few days later, me and the other campus pastor are at his house, and we're watching the fact that Tom Hanks has coming out and saying that he was just diagnosed with the COVID-19, and then we're seeing that NBA suspended their season, and our mouths are dropping. And I remember calling a friend as I was leaving his house that night and saying, this is a defining moment in our generation. And so I don't know what that's looked like for you. Some of you, I don't know what your five-day disappointment has looked like. I I, I don't know what your five-day shift of everything changing in life has looked like. For some of you, you, you were just going about life like it was normal one day, and then Five days later, you're wondering where a paycheck's going to come from. You were going through life like it was normal one day, and then five days later, you're worried about your elderly parents. Or you hear that somebody you know has caught it, and you're wondering what's going to happen. Or you see the economy melting down around us, and you don't know what to do. And so as I was reading this, thinking about this, and here's the reality. If you've lived life long enough, you know it doesn't take a virus to help you realize how quickly things can change. How two days later there can be a diagnosis, how two days later there can be a change, how two days later something even on the inside of you can begin to break down. And so I started reading further past that and I thought, what's Jesus going to say as he begins to address what is going on in this book of John? And so I don't know, what, 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 what would you say if you knew your whole family Everything has shifted. I mean, what do you do when everything changes around you? What's Jesus going to speak to? And honestly, I, I was moved and surprised by what he says first in the book of John after he gets to Jerusalem. He says this. This is John 12, 20 through 24. It says this. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival, talking about the Passover meal. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, watch this. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
And very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. To me, this is amazing. Jesus is getting ready to speak into the moment where everything is changing and where the bottom has fallen out of life. He's getting ready to speak into the most intense dramatic week, the most intense dramatic season. And what he does is he talks about the power of a seed. He talks about the power of what we plant in our lives. It's like Jesus is saying, look, there's nothing you can do about what other people are spreading in the air, but there is everything you can do about what you are putting in the ground. I love the other translation of this. The NLT says it this way. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And so as weird as this sounds, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of Palm Sunday, I want to offer just a few observations about the power of a seed. You know, a lot of times at church, we have this statement that note takers are history makers. So maybe on your phone or maybe there's pen or paper around you, but I would just encourage you, maybe you can jot some things down. They're going to help you throughout this week and maybe even the next few weeks. Turn to the person beside you right now, if you're with someone, and just tell them, say, I believe God is getting ready to encourage you for this season. Four observations about the power of a seed, if you're ready. Number one is this. I can't choose the season, but I can choose what seeds I plant in the season. I can't choose the season. Let's be honest, none of us would choose this season. Even as I was praying over this message, my heart was so burdened for people that right now are so gripped with fear. And so grip the anxiety. And what I wish, I wish as a pastor, as I talk to people every day, so many times a day, I wish there was a magic wand I could wave to make it all change, and I can't. And we can't change the season, but what we can do is decide what kind of seeds are we going to plant in this season. Because here's what I keep thinking about. Even in, even in the low moments I have, even in the moments, let's be honest, we're all having moments in how we process all this. But even in the low moments, there's a thought that keeps hitting the back of my mind, and it's this. One day I'm going to look back, and I'm going to see and think and remember how I stewarded this season. And can I tell you that even in the middle of a breakdown, even in the middle of a shutdown, even in the middle of a lockdown, even in the middle of a quarantine, we can plant seeds in this season that will produce a harvest that we enjoy in the next season. And so here's a really simple question. I, I know that uh, hopefully this doesn't come across challenging, only inspiring. But it's, it's a question that I'm asking myself, and I'd love to ask you as we go on this journey. The question is this, what kind of seeds are you planting in this season? What kind of seeds are you planting in this season? I, I wrote down a few seeds that I don't know about you, but I don't want to plant in this season. Uh, I don't want to plant seeds of negativity. I, I don't want to plant seeds of doubt. I don't want to plant uh, seeds of fear. I, I don't want to plant seeds of anxiety. Can I be honest, in a season like this, especially if you're stuck home alone, it could be easy to default or have vices. It could be easy to plant seeds of sin in this season that become an addiction in the next. What kind of seeds am I planting 
And then I wrote down, um, in fact, why don't you just turn to the person beside you, just ask him, say, what are you planting right now in this season? And then I want to offer a few seeds that we could plant in this season. Number one, I don't know about you, but I want to decide that in this season, I'm going to plant seeds of encouragement. You know, fear is, I feel like, the most commonplace emotion right now in life. It feels like anywhere you go, any post you look at, people are full of fear. And you know the word encouragement simply means to put courage in? Can I give you a simple challenge? What if we all just... Three people a day, even if it's just two people a day, we decided I'm going to call two people a day and I'm going to put courage back in their hearts. I'm going to remind somebody that you are going to make it through this. And I do believe that God is with you and God is for you. And I know the mountains may seem really big right now, but we need to remind each other in this time that we serve a God that is bigger than those mountains and that God at the end of the day is still in control. We need to put courage back in people. And you know, beautiful side effect is this. You know, uh, when we encourage people, that's actually one of the few seeds that you plant that you reap the benefits of almost immediately. Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 says this. It says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Can I tell you one of the quickest recipes for misery is self-focus, but one of the biggest, most quickest, simplest pick-me-ups is to take eyes off me and encourage somebody else. Who can you encourage today? Who the moment this message ends, can you pick up the phone or can you text and say, man, I'm praying for you. I'm with you. Do you need anything? And I've noticed in my life when I do that, it actually brings encouragement back to me. How can we plant seeds of encouragement. What about seeds of gratitude? I heard somebody say recently, whatever I don't give God praise for turns into pride in my own heart. And I'll just be honest. Um, You know, it's so funny when I talk to people about uh, how they're processing through this. So many people, if they're in family and they got kids, at times it drives them crazy and they're like, oh my gosh, I am absolutely going nuts. And then you talk to other people that they're alone, and they're just like, oh, I'm just missing a human being. Can I tell you, as an extrovert, I miss you. If I know you, I miss you. Even if I don't know you, I miss you because you're a human being. And, uh, and, and so I, I don't know how you're processing all that, but I'll just be honest. I, I had a day in my apartment uh, a few days ago where if I'm just being really, really transparent, a little bit, I think a little bit of self-pity came in. And uh, I was feeling a little bit of a spirit of complaint, and I felt really low for a day and a half. And uh, I was sitting there, and I just felt like, not trying to be weird, like God speaks to me in an audible voice, but I just felt like the Lord encouraged me, um, that just like David in, in the Bible did, to strengthen myself in the Lord. And so even though I didn't feel like it, I said, enough's enough. And, and, and I got up and I said, God, I'm going to enter your presence And God, I'm going to tell you everything that I am thankful for. There's a lot that I'm asking you to change right now. But God, I'm so thankful that I have breath in my lungs. I'm so thankful, God, that I have a beating heart right now. I'm thankful, God, that you really are my God. I thank you, God, that you 
came to earth. I'm thankful you created me. I'm thankful, God, that I have, to, to be honest, God, I, I have been stuck in this apartment for a week, and it has felt like a prison. But, God, compared to the rest of this world, this apartment's not a prison. This is a palace. So thank you, God, right now that I'm not in a prison. I'm in a palace. And I have food in the refrigerator, and I have AC and heat. I have a bed to sleep on. I got a roof over my head. I got health in my body. And I don't know what the future holds, but right now I'm not in a prison. I'm in a palace. And I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be weird, but I'm telling you the atmosphere of my apartment changed and something lifted inside of me because I chose gratitude. I said, God, just like David spoke to his own soul. You, you know, David, in the worst moments of his life, uh, all, all their, their, their families had been ripped away, and, and David, all the men were about to stone him. And we read in the middle of the lowest moment of David's life that he strengthened himself in God. And I just feel like telling somebody, if you know Jesus, stay connected with people. Let people wrap their arms around you. We need each other during this time. But can I also encourage you, what if this is a season where you learn how to strengthen yourself in God? You learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I'm telling you, it lifted me back up. Well, what about if we plant seeds of faith instead of fear in this season? What if we planted seeds of, let's be honest, there, there are things to be afraid of right now. There really are. And I'm so glad that we're part of a church, and I, and I believe the church as a whole, I'm so glad it doesn't fall into the ditch of fear or the ditch of foolishness. But if we're followers of Jesus, faith and wisdom, they make a really good marriage. And we can choose to join our faith with wisdom, but can I just be honest with you? It's, it's natural to have fears right now, but I want to encourage you that fears don't have to have you. And so what are you filling your mind with? What, what, are you checking social media and news as soon as you get up in the morning first thing? Or are you letting the promises of God wash over you? We need to check the news. We need to stay informed. We need to use precaution. We need to use social distancing. We need to be part of the solution. This is a real thing we're going through. There are people that have lost their lives. And unless God does a miracle immediately, there will probably be more people and so this is real, and we do need to have wisdom, and we need to be part of the solution. But can I also remind you that it's in the darkest times that God's people shine the brightest, and it's in the craziest, messiest moments that the greatest miracles come forth, and it's when persecution hits, it's when tragedy strikes, that the kind of revivals, the kind of miraculous movements of God that we only read about come out of. Can I remind you that you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind? Can I remind you that God is with you, God is for you, and there's a lot of big mountains around. There's a lot of giants. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. But 1 John says that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. It's okay to have fears. It's not okay for fears to have us. And people should look at us and see an eternal perspective in our eyes and a joy. You know, when Jesus was talking to his disciples that horrible week, he told them, he says, look, I'm telling you all these things about the Holy Spirit coming and about me coming back for you and about life and about God's love for you. And he says, I'm telling you these things so that in me you may have peace. And here's what he told the disciples. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And so are we planting seeds of faith or seeds of fear? What does it look like to trust God and every time you have a doubt to turn that back around and say, God, I'm releasing this to you. I'm, I'm trusting you with this 
anxiety? What does it look like maybe to guard our mornings and our nights and, and maybe not let those times be social media and news, but instead be focused around the promises of God? This is a time to plant seeds of generosity, not with just our money, but how can we be generous with our words? How, how can we be generous with our words of encouragement with kids and family and parents in the home? How can we be generous with our time? How can we plant seeds of generosity? And I'll be honest with you, as I was, um, as I was preparing for this, again, not trying to be you know, weird or over-spiritual, but I'll tell you what I really felt so strongly God impressed upon my heart that it almost took my breath away is that we can plant seeds, and we can plant good seeds in every season. But I believe there's certain seeds that are specific to this season. I believe there's certain seeds that God has entrusted to all of us that we can plant in this season that will change the trajectory of our lives. You know what I really believe? I believe God is going to restore thousands, if not millions, of marriages through this season. Because people are forced to be at home and to slow down with their souls and to have honest and open conversation. And who knows, but if we were to give good soil of speaking kind words and words of life and, and words of honesty and, when, and giving soil for God to move, who knows what God could restore? Who knows what miracles God could perform in our relationships? I believe this, is, this can be, a, am I saying that God, there's zero percent of me that believes God is behind any of this, but there's a hundred percent part of me that believes that God can use all of this and that no pain we ever go through has to be wasted if we entrust it to God. I believe God can use every fear, every tear, and every ounce of pain you're feeling, and he can use it to do incredible things. I believe that there are specific seeds for this season. I believe there are seeds of purpose that God wants to plant in this season. I really do. I believe that, um, that God wants to plant seeds of purpose. I, I was reading about how uh, several hundred years ago a play came through and, and Isaac Newton, um, Cambridge University shut down and, and during that time, as, as we're told by history, it was during that time that Isaac Newton invented calculus, certain optic theories, and discovered the laws of gravity. During that time, am I saying that, that we, we need to go overboard to, to rush here and there and, and try to make this a time where we accomplish everything? No, but I am saying there could be deep purpose in the middle of this season. So number one, we can't choose our season, but we can choose the seeds we plant in this season. I want to read to you one verse to encourage you at the end of this point. This is Jesus, Matthew 6, 34. He says this, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get too worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. The question, I think, is, God, what do you, what do you want to teach me during this time? What are you doing during this time? Jesus, that whole week, if you think about it, he didn't waste a moment. And if you're anything like me, I, I'm so anxious to get out of this moment. But while I'm anxious to get out of this moment, I don't want to miss this moment. I want it to end. I don't want one more life to be lost, one more job to be lost. I'm praying. I think we're all praying, God, do a miracle. I believe God can do it. We're praying, God, do a miracle. But while we're in this season, one of the best questions we could ask is, God, what are you doing in my life? What do you want to speak into my life? Number two, I'm going to go quickly through the rest of this as we wrap up. Number two, seeds must die for something new to grow. 
I wrote it this way. What in my life needs to die in this season? Could it be spiritual apathy? Maybe I've just been complacent. It is so easy, isn't it, to get so comfortable. But maybe my, for me, I know personally God deals with me a lot with my pace and my rhythms. I'm so restless by nature, and it's almost like God during this season is letting some of that die so that I can learn to slow down and not skim through life, but I can grow deep in a life-giving friendship with God, and I can learn to slow down long enough to love Jesus and love people really, really well. What is it that needs to die? Maybe, maybe there is a sin or a pattern or a habit that during this time, it needs to be crucified. It needs to die so that the life of God can flow in me in a really fresh Wait, what are the things that needs to die? Jesus says, if the kernel of wheat dies, that's when something new can live. If I let go of yesterday, that's when I'm postured to step into the future. If I let go of yesterday's page, I can open a new chapter. If, if I let go of that old pattern, I can step into a new reality. Jesus, sometimes to, to bear more fruit, there has to be a pruning. And I wonder what things need to die in this season so that something new can live. I wonder what new dream God wants to birth into your heart. I wonder what new hope. I wonder what new word God wants to speak to you. I wonder what new thing needs the room and the space from pruning to have space and oxygen and room to grow in your life. So the number two, seeds must die for something new to grow. I love what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, you know, the mountains are for inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. Can I be honest? I think sometimes in my life, selfishness needs to die. I think sometimes in my life, my busyness that numbs my internal dialogue where I just stay busy and produce, 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 that part needs to die so that God can teach me the rhythms of grace and the rhythms of walking with God. One of the things we notice about the life of Jesus, he never ran. He walked. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. And then number three, you never reap in the same season that you sow. You never reap in the same season that you sow. Here's the deal. Coronavirus aside, this crazy time that we're in in history aside, some of you have been waiting a long time for an answer prayer. You've been waiting a long time for God to change things. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you don't know Jesus. All you know is there have been some things in life for a long time that have been really broken and really painful. And some of you, maybe you're saying, you know what, I've tried this whole God thing and Man, I've been coming to church for a while, and maybe it's in marriage. I've been going to counseling for a while. I've been trying to do this, trying to do that. But can I just speak to someone today that you never reap in the same season that you sow? Can I tell somebody today, don't give up? Can I tell somebody today, maybe you're at Good Friday, and it's a crucifixion place, and you feel like you're in the middle of Saturday, and the resurrection part hasn't come, the good part of the story hasn't come, can I just encourage you to hold on? Paul tells us in Galatians, don't grow weary, for in due season you will reap. And I just want to encourage somebody not to give up. Because you don't reap in the same season that you sow. You know, in the eastern part of California, there's this majestic but really desolate national park called Death Valley. 
Maybe you've heard of it. It's about 88 miles to the west of the Sierra Nevadas, the, the highest mountain plains in the contiguous U.S., 48 states. And it's surrounded by every side are these natural phenomenon that keeps any kind of moisture or any kind of rain out. It's one of the, the hottest places on earth. Back in 1913, one weather observer said that it got up to 134 degrees. It's the official world record for what is one of the hottest places on earth. Almost nothing can grow there. You multiply the dryness of the region by the fact that it's hundreds, if not thousands of feet below sea level, and it's an arid place, a barren place, a dry place where nothing hardly ever grows. But you know, back in 2016, something really, really special and rare happened, a phenomenon called the super bloom. And then in the super bloom, basically, you had several different factors coming around naturally. There were several storms that hit at once. Uh, they called it the, the thousand uh, foot flood, uh, the, the thousand year flood. And all these factors came that actually brought moisture. And almost overnight, this happened. And what you're seeing is yards and yards and field after field of cascading flowers and colors and blooms. And people couldn't get enough of it. And they came out and they played. And what they found out is there had been millions of seeds that had laid dormant waiting for the moment where under the right circumstances, rain from heaven would fall. And I just want to look into someone's eyes that feels like giving up. I want to look into the eyes of everybody that maybe you're a little concerned about all this or you're a lot of concerned about all this. And I just want to encourage you today. I just want to speak faith over you. I can't promise how everything's going to happen tomorrow, but I can tell you this. The church has made it through these kind of things and worse. And I can tell you that you're not facing anything that is bigger than the power of Almighty God. And you may not be able to do anything about the spread of the air, but you you can, by the grace of Jesus and the power and help of the Holy Spirit, plant seeds that tomorrow, when the rain of the Spirit does come, it's going to produce vineyards and abundance and things that you never even imagined. I want to read to you this verse. I love this. This is Psalm 126, 5 through 6. This is what David said. He said, and now God do it again. Somebody right where you are in, in your home, just say that loud. Say, God, do it again. And it says, and now God, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with arm loads of blessing. You know, when Jesus died, was raised back to life, and went back to the Father, he poured out the rain that was promised in the Old Testament, the rain of the Holy Spirit. And the church was born, and the church flourished and bloomed. And I just want to tell you, as you sow seeds of tears and seeds of sorrow, as you sow seeds of love and seeds of faithfulness in this season, as you say, I don't understand what's happening, but God, I'm going to trust you anyway. I, I, I feel like 
buckling down and I feel like caving in on myself, but I'm going to encourage people. I'm actually going to take this season and not waste the moments. I'm telling you, as you plant these seeds, there's going to come a day and going to come a time where the rain of the Spirit hits the soil and the seeds will turn into a harvest. I want to tell you, I'm not trying to sound preachy, but can I just promise you because of the resurrection, because of the power of God, there's a three-day miracle for every five-day mess. For every five-day mess where everything is shifted, there's the three-day miracle reality of the resurrection of Jesus where we're told that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is on the inside of us, giving us the power to overcome anything in our Wait, can I promise you today, for every five-day disappointment, who knows, there's a three-day dream that could be on the other side. You know, the children of Israel, they were walking through the wilderness, and they had to choose what their spirit, what the seeds they were going to plant was going to be. And there were a few people in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the barrenness that said, you know what, this is painful, and I don't know how all this is going to wrap up, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust Him. And they made it to the other side, and they bore fruit in the valley. And what they went through only made them stronger. I know crucifixion has to come before resurrection. And maybe you feel like you've just been stretched and torn and your soul feels shredded. But can I encourage you, Saturday can't last forever. Oh, you gotta come back Sunday. You gotta bring some friends with you. You gotta text some friends because we're gonna see and hear and experience the happiest day on the planet, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, next Sunday. But just as a teaser, can I remind you that The fourth point about the power of a seed is that Jesus is the ultimate seed. The whole reason he told this story is he says, if this seed in his own life is buried into the ground and dies, much lives and fruit will come from it. And right now, thousands of years later, in Lithopolis and Canal Winchester and Central Ohio and all across the country and all across the world, we have the fruit of those seeds in hundreds and thousands of homes are people that are the fruit of the seed of Jesus saying, I'm going to give my life. And now they're sons and daughters of Almighty God. And they got problems just like me and you do, but they got a hope for all their problems and they got an eternity secure in Jesus. And I just want to give the opportunity for anybody watching right now that you don't even know how you stumbled on this or maybe you've been watching forever but you just know, you feel something and what you feel is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he is whispering to your heart that, man, what, what kind of testimony, what kind of story would it be to say, man, it was back when the pandemic was sweeping the world and changing the world, that the grace of God collided in my world and changed me from the inside out. And while everything else was spreading through the air, I began to plant different seed for a different tomorrow and a different future. So I don't know what your background, it doesn't, there's no way some, some people are so scared that they've out the grace of God and God would never accept them. But if you feel sick, if you feel sinful, if you feel ashamed, can I give you really good news? Jesus came for people 
just like you. He said, I don't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. So if you feel like you're gone beyond repair, let me tell you, there's great news for you today. He came for people just like you. And so I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. And I want to invite anybody watching that you want to put your faith in Jesus today. And you want to let him wash away all the crimes of yesterday and give you a brand new start, fresh mercy. Put his spirit inside you, make you a brand new person. Can I just encourage you? Say this prayer with me, knowing it's not just the repeating of words that changes, but it's the turning of a heart that changes. And so if you're ready to say that prayer with me, go ahead and click the banner at the bottom of the screen. Raise a digital hand. You know, sometimes an outward move can help cement an inner action towards God. And so just as an act of faith, just as, as a physical act, why don't you hit that banner at the bottom of the screen and say, yes, I in my heart am raising my hand to say yes to Jesus. I'll give you a moment. Hit that banner just as a way to tell God in heaven and the world, I am crossing the line of faith today. And so if you feel, you know if that's you, would you pray with me? Father, just say this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today just as I am, broken. Lord, I've been going my whole way, my whole life. And to be honest, I may have heard about you. But it's in this moment that I don't want you to become a part of my life. I want you to become my life. Lord, you know all my mess-ups. You know all my screw-ups. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin, to cleanse me of everything wrong. And Lord, would you come live inside of me and make me new from the inside out. Lord, I commit right now that I will follow you all the days of my life. I turn my back on my own ways and my own sin. And I turn my heart towards you today. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me your child. In Jesus' name, and amen. And amen. And